tonight, a few minutes to Genesis tonight, chapter 32 tonight of the book of Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter number 32, and uh, we want to begin reading uh, tonight in verse uh, 21, we'll read down through the end of the chapter there tonight, Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse number 21, we're picking up in the middle of the chapter, we'll go back and recapture some of it uh, in the introduction. And the Bible said, uh, it's talking about Jacob, so, uh, so went the presence over before him and himself lodged that night in the company. And he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons and passed over the fort Jabbok. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him, and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is that that thou doest ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not of the sinew which shrank, which is upon the hollow of the thigh, unto this day, because he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh, and in the sinew that shrank. Thank you. Be seated. Our Father, we, Lord, come to thee again this evening, thanking you, Father, for the blessings, Lord, that have poured out upon us, Lord, again today. Before we had set good and straight up in the bed and had planted our feet good and solid upon the floor, uh, the Bible let us know that we'd already been loaded with benefits. And, uh, Lord, as brother, uh, brother shared with us there about waking up during the night and realizing how blessed he was, I'm sure there's many people, if not all here, have experienced that experience of waking up in the middle of the night in a warm bed and uh, Lord in from the elements of the weather and uh, and Lord realized as God hovered over the bed that that how blessed that we were how blessed we are and yet how blessed we're going to be uh, Lord someday when all this is behind us uh, Lord we need uh, always encounters with God fresh and anew and uh, I pray you'd stir our hearts tonight and make us hunger and thirst like you did the woman at the well that said, Give me this water that I never thirst again. Well, Lord, many of us, if not all of us, have had the water of salvation that you never thirst for again. But may we never get to the place that we don't thirst after God. And may we be like the psalmist that said that he painted after God as the heart painteth after the brook. Now, Lord, bless tonight this service. What time we have here together. Uh, God, I pray you'd touch somebody in a special way tonight. Give somebody the confidence and faith they don't have. Uh, Lord, give somebody the strength that they don't have tonight to face whatever it might be before them. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all the blessings that come through the cross and through the sacrifice of you upon the cross and the blood that was shed there. And We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, we've uh, been preaching here the last few weeks uh, on some folks that had encounters with God. And uh, last week we preached about, uh, well, the week before that, we preached about Moses' encounter with God in Exodus chapter 3. And then we uh, looked here at Jacob's uh, first encounter with God that we looked at in Genesis 28. And uh, tonight, this is Jacob's second encounter with God. And uh, 20 years have passed since Jacob's first encounter with God. Uh, I think I said he was 77 year old when he had that first encounter with God. And 20 years have passed, and now Jacob is going to have another encounter with God. 
uh, he'll have, uh, actually, he'll have, uh, most people think three, but actually there's a fourth one that he has uh, in the life of Jacob. So uh, we're always having fresh encounters with God. Now the first time that Jacob left, he left because of the beckoning of his father that uh, commanded him to leave because he had stolen the birthright from his brother Esau. And Esau had vowed to kill him and to take his life. And so his father told him to leave. And uh, we looked at that in Genesis 28 where that uh, he left and he made that journey there of some 600 miles that he had to travel alone and in the darkness and by himself. And there he met God as he made a, a, a rock, a pillar. And uh, the Bible said, he said, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I knew it not. And he had an encounter with God. Now 20 years have passed, uh, and the first time that he left, his earthly father beckoned him to leave. But in this particular sense, it was his heavenly father that beckoned him to go back. In uh, Genesis 31, in verse 13, he said, I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the Pella. And he said, And where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now rise and get thee out from this land and return into the land of thy kindred. And so his earthly father tells him to leave and go away. And his heavenly father, 20 years later, tells him to leave and to go back. Now he comes back different than what he left. When he left the first time, he left all alone. He's all by himself. He was traveling all alone. But when he goes back this time, God has blessed him. And the Bible said he goes back and he has a, a company of people so great that he has to divide them up into two different companies, or he does, uh, uh, to meet his brother. So he goes back different. He left, he left with nothing, but he's coming back with the blessings of God all about him. First time he left, he left not knowing whether God was against him or even with him or for him. But when he goes back this time, he goes back assured that God is with him. In Genesis 32 and verse 1, it said, Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob, uh, when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And uh, so he goes back different he goes back knowing that God uh, is for him and uh, and yet he goes back different but yet he comes back also in somewhat the same way you say what do you mean well he goes back he goes back with a guilty conscience he still got that guilty conscience about how that he had lied and how he had lied to his old daddy and how that he had betrayed his brother and stole the birthright that God would have given him anyway if he'd have waited because it's already prophesied he'd get it. And uh, so uh, he goes back and, he, and he's got a guilty conscience. You know, it don't matter how long you've been gone, if you've not made the thing right that was wrong when you left, uh, it's still going to be there when you go back. It don't matter if it's 20 or 30 years. And he goes back and he's not dealt with this thing and he still has a guilty conscience. You say, how do you know he's got a guilty conscience? Because he's still afraid his brother's going to kill him. And then not only that, he's still a conniver. Jacob's always been a conniver. He connived his old father into thinking that he was his own brother. He connived his brother out of his birthright for a bowl of lentils or beans, if you will. And Jacob has always been a conniver. Once a conniver, always a conniver unless he gets saved. We know that he's still a conniver because in verse 4, he commands the company, he commands him saying, Thus shall you speak unto my Lord Esau, thy servant Jacob saith, Thus I have sojourned with Laban and stay there until now. And so he goes back and he calls Esau his Lord. He's conniving is what he's doing. Verse 11 he says, uh, uh, Again, deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he will come and smite me and the mother and the children. And he goes down through there conniving about uh, what he's going to do. He's going to make a gift to give to Esau to try to help him. And then he goes back and he still has a coward's heart. 
You remember how he was? He said uh, there in Genesis 28, he talked about he was afraid because he was traveling some 600 miles through rugged territory, uh, darkness, uh, woods, mountains. Uh, and uh, if you study that out, you'll find out there were assassins along those ways. Uh, uh, there were thieves along those ways. Uh, he's traveling with a guilty conscience, thinking God's out to get him anyway. Uh, and so he travels, uh, and he is a coward. He's afraid. Well, he goes back the same way. Uh, he says there in verse 19, uh, verse 20, And say ye before, Behold, thy servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him, there's the conniver part, with the present that goeth before me, and afterwards I will see his face. Uh, and he goes on down through there, and he's talking about that he is afraid. And so this is Jacob's second encounter with God. And uh, I'm glad that we don't just have an encounter with God when we get saved and then it's over with. Uh, I'm glad as we grow in the Christian life, as God allows us to sojourn down here in this pilgrimage that we're in, uh, I'm glad that we keep running into God along the way. Or should I say that God keeps running into us along the way? Uh, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Uh, but I'm glad that we got a good shepherd that not only saved us, but thank God that he looks for us when we go astray, that he goes out in the hills and the valleys and, and uh, somewhere down the way. If you ever have knew God, uh, if you ever did know God, somewhere down the way you're going to run into him again. Uh, you can't get away from him. And when you're right with God, you don't want to get away from him. I, and when you're not right with God, you don't want to be around him. Amen. That's why a lot of people don't come to church. They're not right with God. They won't, don't want to be where he is. They don't want to be around him. And uh, so we look here tonight, and I'll give you three things, and we'll go home here in a little while. But I want you to notice, first of all, that once again, that Jacob is alone. Look there in verse 24, and the Bible said Jacob was left alone. Now he travels uh, with, uh, two, with a great company, so great, with uh, camels and herds and sheep uh, and people. It's so great that he divides them up into two companies. He sends one to head uh, and then another one and then he follows behind, showing again uh, the, the conniving and the cowardness of Jacob. Uh, but there's a great company. But when you get down, he spends a night with them in verse 22. He spends a night with them. But then in verse 23, he took them and sent them over the brook, uh, and it said Jacob was left alone. So they're on one side of the brook, and he's on another side all by himself. There Jacob is, uh, and he's all alone. Uh, well, a long time ago, back there when God made the first man, molded him out of clay, uh, I made him in the image of God, and then when he stood there as a dead piece of clay, uh, like the same thing we are when the breath of God goes out of us. Uh, uh, we're just there, a dead piece of clay, a shell. Uh, uh, but he made that first man, Adam, and he breathed unto him a breath of life. Uh, and the Bible said Adam became a living soul. Uh, and it wasn't long after that that God made this statement. Uh, and God said it ain't good for a man to be alone. Uh, uh, well, uh, it ain't good for a man to be alone uh, depending on who he's alone with. Amen. Uh, and here Jacob is, uh, and he is alone, but he's alone with God. Uh, uh, it's not good for a man to be alone by himself. Uh, uh, you say, why? Because he has an Adamic nature. Uh, uh, he has an evil imagination. Uh, he has a wicked heart. Uh, uh, and it's not good for a man to be alone by himself. Uh, it's not good for a man to be alone with the devil. Uh, uh, not good for a man or a woman or anybody to be alone with the devil. Amen. Uh, uh, but I'll tell you, it never does do anything but good for a man uh, uh, to be alone with God. Uh, and the Bible said Jacob was alone that night. Uh, you say, well, don't say nothing about God. Well, it does down in verse uh, 24. Uh, uh, Jacob thought he was alone, uh, uh, but there was somebody there he didn't realize was there uh, until the night went on. Amen. Uh, and God was there with him. Now, Jacob's alone. Uh, and I want to say this tonight. Jacob is alone uh, by the providence of God. Uh, 
Uh, you say, what do you mean? Well, I just read to you back there in chapter 13 uh, uh, that it was God, of the God of Bethel, the God uh, uh, of where he anointed the Pella there, the God uh, uh, where he met him back there in chapter 28. Uh, it was that same God that told him to go back, uh, and so God directs him on his journey. Uh, and uh, so as we look there and we see there in verse 13, he said, I am the God of Bethel. Get thee out from this land and return into the land of thy kindred. Uh, uh, did you ever realize that so many times uh, uh, we forget and we fail to remember uh, uh, that our goings are of the Lord? Uh, the Bible said in Psalms 37, 23, the steps of good men are ordered by the Lord. Uh, he delighteth in all his ways, and though he fall, he shall not utterly stumble. Uh, uh, for the Lord uh, uh, will uphold him, the Bible said. And so many times we go through life, we think we're in control, we think we're calling the shots, uh, uh, we think we're going this way uh, because we want to go this way, or we're taking this road because we want to take this road. Uh, and all the time we forget uh, there's a God in heaven uh, uh, that's controlling and directing our life uh, and moving us in the way that he wants us to go. Uh, and it's God that led Jacob uh, uh, to take this road where he would be there by himself alone with God. Uh, uh, sometimes it's good to stop and think when you're in the hospital or the emergency room or tore up in a car on the side of the road or in an accident. It's good to remember uh, uh, this might be by the providence of God. Amen. Uh, uh, God might be trying to do something. God might be trying to get me to see something. And so Jacob is alone with God. Uh, uh, and this led Jacob to pray. You say the Bible didn't say he prayed. Uh, uh, well, it, it said he took them, verse 23, and sent them over the brook. And uh, then he begins to wrestle with this man. And the wrestling turns into a conversation. He begins to talk to this man. Well, this person he's wrestling with is the angel of the Lord. Uh, and as we said uh, this morning, that when you find that term, the angel of the Lord, uh, it's the Lord himself. Amen. Uh, and so there he is, and he's wrestling with a the man. There he is. He's, uh, uh, he's talking to this man. So his being alone with God uh, is by the providence of God. And his being alone with God has moved him to pray. Amen. Jesus, Jesus did the same thing. You say, what do you mean? Well, on the, on the most uh, greatest trial, the, the hardest night that Jesus ever had here upon this earth, the Bible said he met with the disciples. He had supper with them. He told them one of them is going to betray him. Uh, and uh, after he got through with all that, the Bible said in Matthew 26, 36, uh, it said, he said, sit ye here, uh, sit ye here uh, while I go yonder and pray. Uh, uh, just like Jacob left that bunch over there, uh, and he said, you stay here, I'm going over here to pray. You see, Jacob went over there because he's troubled, he's worried. Uh, uh, amen. He wants to get alone by himself. Uh, have you ever had trials and troubles uh, and you just wanted to get alone by yourself? Uh, uh, you just want to sit down and try to think some things out. Uh, Jacob's over there. He's still a conniver. He's still trying to fix his own problems. He's still trying to work things out himself. Uh, and that's the way you and I are. We're always trying to work out our own problems, be our own fix-it man. Uh, but most of the time it winds up with things worse uh, than what they were and finally, finally when we make such a mess of things uh, we finally call upon God uh, and say Lord straighten out this mess well aren't you glad that God is willing to straighten out our messes uh, oh, I'm glad that God uh, I'm glad he don't say you made it buddy you fix it uh, I'm glad that when we go to the Lord and we say, Lord, I've made a mess again. I, I need the help of God. I'm glad that God uh, will meet with us. Amen. Uh, and so Jacob is there and Jacob is alone and Jacob uh, is praying. Uh, now, Jacob is alone uh, by providence uh, and Jacob is alone and he's praying. Uh, but Jacob is alone. He thinks he's alone uh, and a person shows up. 
Now remember, it's dark. There's nothing. There, it's dark. There is no street lights. Uh, it's dark. There may be no moon shining. It's dark. Have you ever been in a place where it's really dark? <laughs> Amen. Uh, I, I remember one time I got lost out in the woods coon hunting one night. And I'll spare you the details of all the story. But I'll tell you about 2 o'clock in the morning on a cloudy night in the middle of the woods, it's dark. Did you know there is places so dark that you cannot literally see your hand in front of your face? Amen. Uh, our, our house where we live, it's a pretty dark place. We got outside lights. Uh, uh, but if those outside lights are not on uh, and you come over the hill there going out the Roseboro Road, uh, you cannot even see that there's a house even sitting there uh, uh, because it's so dark there upon that hill. I've looked at it many times coming over that hill and no lights on and you couldn't even tell there was a house there until you got right up on it. Uh, uh, that's the kind of darkness that Jacob's in here. Uh, it's dark. He's all alone by himself. Uh, he's traveling the same road. There's robbers. There's thieves. Uh, there's murders out there. And so he gets there, and he's all alone, and all at once he feels somebody's hand upon his shoulder. Uh, uh, there's nothing in the Bible, not like in Genesis 28. Uh, there's nothing there to say this is a dream. Uh, uh, there's nothing to say this is a vision he's having. Uh, uh, no, sir, according to the way that we read the Bible, there was actually a man there and was actually the Lord. Uh, and he actually put his hand, I guess, upon Jacob's shoulder. And Jacob, not knowing who it was, uh, uh, Jacob thinking it might be a stranger because he don't know God real good yet. Uh, uh, did you know when you first get saved, you don't know God real good? Uh, amen. And did you know many times God will show up in your life uh, and you won't think it's God. You won't realize it's God. Uh, uh, you'll think it's an enemy. You'll think it's somebody trying to hurt you. Uh, uh, matter of fact is, uh, uh, before you got saved, the first time you met God uh, all alone, you say, what do you mean? Uh, it didn't matter if there was a hundred people in that church. Uh, when you met God in conviction, uh, when you met God dealing with your soul, uh, it, even though there were a hundred people there, it was like there was nobody there but you and God. You're all alone. And you know what you thought? You thought whoever that was making you feel that way was your enemy. You didn't realize it's going to be the best thing ever happened to you. You didn't realize it's going to be one so great that you'd never want to let him go like Bill sung. Uh, you thought it was an enemy. You thought it was somebody that was trying to take away your life. Uh, he's trying to give you life, but you thought it was somebody trying to take away your life. Uh, uh, you thought it was somebody that was trying to take all the fun out of your life. Uh, uh, you thought it was somebody that wanted to tell you what to do and how to live your life. It seemed like an enemy to you. Uh, that's the way it was with Jacob. And the Bible said, And there wrestled a man with him. You say God's a man? Well, the Bible said the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. He came down here as a man that he might die for us on the cross. Uh, he died on the cross, a man dying on the cross, but he's dying like a God. Uh, uh, you never seen no man die like he died. Uh, amen. Uh, uh, but I want you to know the Bible said that whenever... Whenever any angel shows up on earth, uh, it always shows up as a young man. Uh, a young man, and we'll be safe in saying about 33 years old. Amen. Uh, and so when the Lord shows up here in the Old Testament, uh, uh, when the Lord shows up at the angel of the Lord, uh, he shows up as a young man. Uh, but it's dark. Uh, Jacob can't see who it is. Uh, it's dark out there. He thinks it's an enemy. He thinks it's somebody trying to kill him. So he wrestles with him. Just like you did. You wrestled back there. And he's saying, I want to bless you. He's saying, I want to save you. And you're wrestling with him. You're pushing away from him. You're doing everything you can to get away from him because you think he's an enemy. Even though he's not an enemy, 
he's the best thing that's going to ever happen to you. Amen. I, and so Jacob is all alone out there. And then the Bible said, And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. Jacob's all alone. And out there in the darkness of the night, in the stillness of the night, Jacob is attacked. You see, what do you mean? He's out there all by himself. And all at once somebody grabs him. Jacob is attacked. Now, I want you to notice here, have you ever had God attack you? Amen. He doesn't attack you for evil. He attacks you for good. He moves upon you. Uh, he gets your attention. Uh, he gets a hold of you, uh, but he's doing it for good. And so Jacob's all alone there, and the Bible said there that he rest, there wrestled a man with him. Now, his perception of all of this uh, as I've already said, his perception of all this, uh, his first thoughts is this is somebody that's going to take his life. You say, why would he think that? He's got a guilty conscience. Whenever you got a guilty conscience, you're always looking over your back. You always think somebody's out to get you, amen. Even if it's been 20 years ago. When he starts on this journey, they meet him and they say, Your brother Esau's on the way to meet you. And his first thoughts are, He's coming to kill me. Why does he think that? Because he's still got that guilty conscience. Amen. And so there's a man there that wrestles with him. Many times you and I do not perceive that the person that we're wrestling with is God himself. That it's God that comes into your bedroom in the middle of the night, hovers over your bed. It's God uh, that, that does that. It's God that moves in your car while you're driving down the road and you start thinking about the things of God and eternity. That's God. And so many times the perception is we're still like Jacob back 20 years ago. Jacob said, surely the Lord's in this place and I don't know it. He's in the same condition tonight. The Lord's in that place, and he don't know it's the Lord yet. Yet. But now he's grown a little bit. It's been 20 years since the first time he met God. And if it's been 20 years since the first time you met God, you ought to know him a little better. If you've been reading that book and listening to people teach about him and sermons about him, you may not, nobody knows all about God. And the more you know about God, the more you realize you don't know about God because there's so much to know about God. But you ought to know more than you did the first day you got saved. Amen. And so Jacob's there. He's wrestling with a man, and the man that he's wrestling with is God himself. And the Bible says this. He said he wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. You say, what's that? That man he wrestled with, pretty patient, ain't he? The Bible said he wrestled with him all night. Aren't you glad God didn't just come by and tap you on the shoulder and just let it go at that when you said no to him? But aren't you glad that God's patient and he keeps dealing with your heart over and over and over again? I, and sometimes, sometimes people after 30 or 40 years, uh, God is so long-suffering, God is so merciful, God is so longing to see people saved and not go to hell that God is still dealing with them after 40 years. Uh, you say he don't deal with them as hard as he did. Oh, I think he does. Uh, I think their heart's just so calloused, uh, they can't feel him like they did 40 years ago. Patient. Wrestle with him. Boy, I'm glad God's long-suffering. I love that verse in the Bible. It said God's long-suffering and slow to anger. Amen. If he wasn't slow to anger, no doubt he'd have wiped a whole bunch of us off into hell already. Amen. Amen. If he wasn't a patient God, 
he would have got tired of us promises him, Lord, I'm going to start in church. I'm going to go every service. I'm not going to miss anything. I'm, not, I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray every day. I'm going to pass out tracts. I'm not going to witness. I'm going to witness to people. And God, this is the thousandth time I promised you I was going to do this. Well, aren't you glad God's patient? The Bible said he wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. The perception took him a while to figure out what was going on here. The patience. God's willing to give him time to figure out what's going on here. And then the power. The Bible said in verse 25, and he talked about the angel he's wrestled with. He touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint. The power. You say, what are you saying? Well, when you read this thing, it says, and he wrestled with him, he wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint, and he wrestled with him, and he said, let me go, for the day breaketh. When you read that, it sounds like, when you read that, it sounds like Jacob's winning the battle and that Jacob, God, is not able to get away from Jacob. But can I tell you, God don't want to get away from Jacob. God is not wanting to get away from Jacob. Isn't that a blessing? Sometimes he lets you think you're winning. That's only because he don't want to win. But the Bible said they wrestled all night. What a wrestling match. Can you imagine wrestling with God? They wrestled all night. I used to watch a lot of wrestling. When I was a young boy, we had the wrestling on Channel 13, and my family was the only one that had a TV in our neighborhood. We lived out in the country. And so on Saturday night, our neighbors... Uh, Mr. Hicks and his son Danny, they would come over to our house on Saturday night and him and Daddy would watch wrestling. And me and Danny, him and Daddy would watch wrestling. Me and Daddy, Danny would get down in the floor and do wrestling. Yeah. Jackie Fargo and Tojo Yalamoto and Little Chief. I mean, I'm talking back when it was real. <clears throat> Wasn't this fake stuff you see today, Amen. But we knew all the moves, you know. You could, I'd get Danny and I'd run him into the turnbuckle, which would be the arm of the couch, and he'd get me in a sleeper hold and he'd pin me down and, you know, we'd be wrestling and we'd down there acting it out. My dad, Mr. Hicks, he'd be sitting there watching it and, boy, they'd be making every move that they'd make and his daddy'd say, going to kill him, he's going to kill him. <laughs> get loose. Them was pretty good Saturday night. Amen. And they knew all the holes, you know. Run them into the turnbuckle. Uh, sleeper hole. Uh, all them different things. Can I tell you, God knows all the holes. Can I tell you, God, He, know, he can win any time He wants to win. You say, why? He's got the power. We're talking about a man, Jacob. We're talking about a man that's wrestling with God. You or I can never win a wrestling match with God. You say, why? He's too powerful. He's going to win in the end. If you don't get saved, he's going to throw you over the ropes and you ain't going to like where you land. Amen. The Bible said that they wrestled there. The day's breaking. You say, what's that got to do with it? It's dark. He's wrestling with God, but he can't see who he's wrestling with. Now somewhere during this thing, he figures out this is God. And he's holding on to God. And God has got to get away before the day breaks, which is no problem. God can get away any time He wants to get away. 
but he waits till the day breaks. You say, why? He stays as long as he can. Amen. He wants to stay with you as long. He ain't near a bigger hurry to get away from you as you are to get away from him. We've got to get away before the day breaks. You say, why? Because when the day breaks, Jacob can see him. There ain't nobody seen God and lived. You say, the text said Jacob saw him face to face. Yeah, but in the dark. You see, it can be so dark, you can be face to face with a person. You know it's a person. You know it's there, but you can't see his face. You say, how do you know that? Because I believe the Bible. And the Bible said nobody had seen God at any time. Amen. So Jacob wrestles with God, and, and God wrestles with him all night. And finally, when God is ready to end this match, and God's ready to get away, the Bible says that God has the power to do it, and all he has to do, he didn't say hit, it didn't say kick, it didn't say grab. The Bible said God just touched him. All God's got to do is just touch him. He knows where it hurts. Amen. He knows where it hurts. And the Bible said Jacob, he's attacked by God, but it's for a good reason. Now I want you to look at this last thing tonight. We've looked at Jacob was all alone. Most of the time, well, all the time, it doesn't matter if you're in a crowd of 500 people. When you have an encounter with God, it's just you and him. Just you and him. He's alone. And then Jacob is there and he's attacked and he doesn't realize that he's being attacked by God. He thinks it's an enemy or somebody's trying to hurt him. And then, I want you to see this. This is very important. Jacob is afterwards affected by his encounter with God. For verse 28 said, And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince thou hast power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Doesn't mean he won the battle. It just means he had prevailed. You say, what do you mean? He's now a prince with God. Amen. He now has power with God and with man. Did you know every saved person has power with God and with man? Amen. And so we see that each time Jacob has a divine encounter with God, each time it happens, it changes him a little bit more. God is all our life. God is having encounters with us throughout life, and every time we meet with God, it changes us a little more. And can I encourage you to say this, the last encounter we have with God will change you altogether. You see, God's trying to make us like Him. And so we keep having these these encounters, these wrestling matches, these meetings with God, and every time we go through one, Makes us a little bit more like God. We see the effects of this encounter Jacob had. You say, what was the effects? Well, first of all, look at verse 26. Jacob said, I will not let thee go unless thou bless me. First of all, Jacob's nature is affected. When he first started wrestling, this person is trying to get away from him. But after he realizes what's going on, he don't want him to get away from him. You say, why? Because the same person that wanted to get away from him, now he don't want to let him go. You say, why? Because he needs God now. You say, why? He's got a problem. God's touched him. The sinew of his hip muscle has shrank. He's not the man he once was, and so now 
the same person that was trying to get away from God after he's had this encounter, he's saying, God, don't leave me. I need you. I, I can't fend for myself. I got a bad leg. I can't take care of myself, God. I need you. Don't leave me. That's the way we are. It was a time we wanted to get away from God, and now we're saying, God, don't leave me. I need thee every hour. I need you every step of the way. Don't leave me. The Bible said his, his nature has completely changed, and he said, I'm not going to let you go. He now realizes that this person is not somebody that's going to hurt him. This person is somebody that's going to bless him. Amen. He holds on for a blessing. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. You know the funny thing about it? God wanted to bless him all along. But you know, you don't have to persuade God to bless you. God is wanting to bless you from the first day you come into this world. When you got saved, God's thoughts concerning you was good. And God, he, would, he don't want to do anything but bless you, and God can't do anything but good. And even if he allows heart attack or cancer or diabetes or stroke or whatever it might be, uh, Alzheimer's, even though God may allow that in your life, uh, the end result of that, the end result of that is going to be blessing. Amen. God's going to bless you. Amen. Well, his nature's changed. Used to, the old people say when somebody gets saved, they said they had a change from nature to grace. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah, they got, we had one last night come to the Lord. They were changed from nature to grace. I'm glad that when we meet the Lord that our nature changes. Now, Jacob's not there yet where, he want, where God wants him. You say, how you know? Because he asked God, said, what's your name? God never tells him. You say, why? He's not there yet. He's got another encounter coming with God, and when he does, God's going to tell him what his name is. Did you know there's some things that God can't tell you right now because you're not ready for them? Jesus told his disciples, he said, I've got a whole lot of things to say to you, but you're not ready for them yet. Uh, amen. I know that God, the Bible's a complete revelation of God, uh, but in my life, I think in your life, God lets us learn it little by little. Uh, little by little, the Bible said when they went into the land, uh, God said you'll conquer your enemies little by little by little. Uh, uh, nobody gets saved and gets rid of all their sin problems. Uh, nobody gets saved gets rid of everything. No, sir, I tell you how it works. You get over this one, uh, and then you go on to something else. You go on to something else. Uh, uh, that's why people that sit around waiting until they're perfect to get saved, they'll never get saved because you'll never be perfect in this life. So God says, what's your name? He said, Jacob. God made him tell what his name was. You say, why? Because that name Jacob, that name stood for conniver, deceiver, liar, hill catcher. When he had to say his name, he was saying everything he was. You know, God knows everything we are. Did you know that Bible said that we are to confess our sin? Amen. We are so good at telling God how good we are. But in reality, God knows how filthy, how bad we are, what wretched sinners we are, and God still loves us. Uh, uh, but every now and then, God says, what's your name? Really, what Jacob was saying is this. My name's Sinner. My name's Sinner. That's what God's trying to get lost people to confess. 
My name's sinner. And people that say, well, I'm not so bad and I don't deserve hell, they're not wanting to tell God what their name is. Amen. His name's changed. Now, in Scripture, the change of name always, get this, in Scripture, the change of name always makes the person subservient to the one who changes the name. In other words, God changed Abram's name to Abraham. And Abraham became a servant of God. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar changed uh, uh, their name to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They became servants to him. You got married to Keith and changed your name to his, you're a servant to him. I thought I'd try to slip it in. I didn't figure it'd work, amen. But he changed his name and he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob. Hey, it's a great day when you get saved and God ain't going to never call you again a sinner, a sinner. God's going to call you a saint even though you are a sinner. God's going to call you a saint, thank God. The Bible said, He said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for a prince hast thou power with God and with man. See, he's hooked up with God now. And when you get hooked up with God, you have power with God, depending on how hooked you are. And you have favor with men. So, the afterwards effect was his nature was changed, his name was changed, and here's the best part. Look at verse 31. After this wrestling match was over, it said Jacob and he passed over Peniel, and the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. I heard somebody say, Glad you listened. That means he's halting. Ever since he met God, ever since he had this divine encounter with God, ever since he wrestled with God, he don't walk the same no more. Amen. The Bible said before we got saved, we walked according to the course of this world. But after you get saved, they think it's strange because you don't run with them no more. You don't go to the places you used to go. You don't walk the way you used to walk. You see, when Jacob met God, there was a noticeable change in the way that Jacob walked. And everywhere that Jacob went, somebody was evermore saying, what happened to you? Everywhere he went, everybody he met, the rest of his life that knew him before, they were going to run into him and they're going to say, what happened to you? You don't walk like you used to walk. Open door. Let me tell you about it. One night I met God, wrestled with God, and he changed my name. He changed my nature. He changed the way I walk, and I don't walk the course of this world anymore. If you've ever had an encounter with God, there ought to be a noticeable difference in your life. Amen. You ought to, you ought to look different. You ought to walk different. You ought to be different. Amen. Now, wait a minute. It, you would think you would think with the first encounter with God and the second encounter with God, you would think this was all there is. He's perfect now. No. He's still not where God's willing to tell him what his name is. Look at that in your Bible there. And said, Jacob asked him and said, verse 29, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is this? That thou dost ask for my name. He never answers him. He blessed him. 
He's glad he's curious. He's glad he's wanting to know some things. But God said we got to meet another time or two before that I'm willing to tell you my name. Amen. God, God always leaves a little bit more to keep you traveling forward. When you get saved, God don't dump the whole load. God don't feel all the files of your mind. God don't let you know everything there is to know. No, sir, God leaves it further along. We'll know all about it and further along. We'll understand why. And God does that because He wants you to keep seeking after Him and falling after Him until you finally get to the final destination of the place. You finally arrive there. You're finally everything God wants. And then God is going to make you a perfect person. God is going to make you just like Him. And God is going to give you perfect knowledge. And you're going to know everything that God wants you to know. Amen. Jacob, encounter with God. He was alone. He is attacked. He is afterward affected and never the same again. Amen. I met the Lord at 10 years old. And it didn't seem like a lot happened that day, but yet I was never the same. There was always that experience of meeting God, but I was never the same. I knew that something had happened back there. I couldn't explain it all back then. I, I can explain a lot of it now, but I couldn't back then. But I knew... But that Sunday morning I had a divine encounter with a power that I hadn't encountered before. God. Amen. Well, I've met the Lord several times since then in different encounters. And I've never had an encounter with God that didn't leave me better and leave me with just a little bit more understanding about so great a God. Remember Jacob was 77 and so now 20 years have passed so he's now what 97? Would that be right? I'm not very good at math. 97? Isn't it good to know that God dealt with a man at 77 and that God is still dealing with a man at 97? And God's going to deal with him even more in Genesis 35. God's going to deal with him even more. You say, what are you saying? If you think the Christian life is dull and dead and God is done, you're wrong. If you're saved, you've got some encounters with God down the road. And when they happen, just remember it's not an enemy. It's a friend. He's not trying to break you. He's trying to bless you. Yeah. Amen. Father, thank you, Lord, for the Word of God. And thank you, Lord, for recording.